And I'm just so happy to be with you guys. Um, I suppose it's my first time speaking to you guys in this new position. Uh, so one thing that I just want to let you guys know is that I am here for you. I am a resource. Uh, I love all of you guys so much, and I'm just really excited to be working with you full time. Um, yeah, but just uh, make sure not to get on my bad side because <laughs> that's that's what'll happen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, let's leave that up for a while. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, well, if you haven't been here the past three, four months, um, it's been a while, but we've been going through a series called The Upside Down Kingdom. I'll flip it back. Um, we've been going through a series called The Upside Down Kingdom, and we've been talking about how God's kingdom looks different from what the world kind of expects and wants from us. Um, and we've been going through the book of Acts, the entire book of Acts this summer, and kind of following the acts of the apostles, but most importantly, of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so today, or last week, Danny Davis covered Acts 27, or 26 rather, and uh, today I'm going to cover Acts 27. Uh, so yeah, let's just get right into it. So uh, who's heard the saying before that it's not the destination, or it's not about the destination, but it's about the journey? What does that mean? Anyone, feel free to yell it out. It's not about the destination, it's about the journey. Exactly. <laughs> so, thank you, Anderson. Um, so, this, so this quote is famously attributed to an American philosopher uh, named Ralph Waldo Emerson. Uh, and, uh, but if you hadn't told me that, I definitely would have attributed it to Paul during his life. As we see throughout the book of Acts, it's just kind of crazy to see everything that Paul goes through to get to a single destination that the Lord tells him to go to. Now, <laughs> it's not the entire time that he's kind of like scrambling or going all over, but specifically when the Lord told Paul to go uh, to Rome, <laughs> to when he gets there is just quite a journey. He was accused, arrested, imprisoned, ignored, and now as he's boarding a ship to go to Rome, finally, as a prisoner, by the way, uh, we go through this chapter and we just see how much God will continue to use the journey in Paul's life. So let's just pray and then we'll get into the word. So Father God, we just thank you for this awesome day that you've created. I thank you for each and every single student, leader, and volunteer that is here today to hear your word. Lord, I just pray that you open up hearts and that you open minds so that uh, as you use me to deliver your word, uh, that people will hear it, hear it well and be able to understand it. Lord, allow me to decrease so that you may increase and step forward into the podium. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. All right. So like I said, we're in Acts 27 today. Look at that again. Um, we're in Acts 27 today, but, uh, in order just to get the background and in order to get the context, just in case you haven't been here or just in case it's been a while and you forgot, like I did, uh, we're going to need to go back to Acts 23. So in Acts 23, <clears throat> that's when the first, first appeared to Paul and told him that he needed to testify in Rome. 
Now, it was only four chapters ago for us. It was only a few weeks ago for us. But for Paul, it's been over two years. And now here, uh, he finally gets to go and get his chance to go to Rome. And we know that he's doing the Lord's work. So naturally, we kind of think it's going to be easy, right? Um, Well, that's not really going to be the case. Uh, But first, like I said, for context, let's just read uh, Acts 23, verse 11, and it reads, The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. So that's the Lord's instruction to Paul, and that's really what sets up this huge journey that he's about to go on. Uh, Now let's just move forward a little bit to Acts 25. Uh, And there's going to be a lot of text today, guys. Just try to bear with me. Uh, So Acts 25, and again, this is for background and for context. Uh, Verses 9 through 12 reads, Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, said to Paul, Are you willing to go to Jerusalem and stand trial before me there on these charges? Paul answered, I am now standing before Caesar's court where I ought to be tried. I have not done any wrong to the Jews, as you yourself very well know. If, however, I am guilty of doing anything deserving death, I do not refuse to die. But if the charges brought against me by these Jews are not true, no one has the right to hand me over to them. I appeal to Caesar. After Festus had conferred with his counsel, he declared, You have appealed to Caesar. To Caesar you will go. So guys, at this point, it's important to remember that Paul kind of knew that if he got arrested uh, and he went on trial, he would be released. It's happened to him before. And I believe that at this point, he knows that his accusers don't really have anything that'll stick. But during, and during his trial, it's very unlikely that they would win. And yet he appeals to Caesar, knowing that this would significantly prolong his journey. So why did he appeal to Caesar? That's a question. Why did he appeal to Caesar? He appealed to Caesar... Because God wanted him to go share the gospel in Rome, right? So guys, we can learn from Paul's dedication to the Lord here. He could have been freed way earlier, but decided to put his faith in the Lord and do something that was uncomfortable, even though it didn't make much sense to anyone else around him. They even say in Acts, in Acts 26, 32, uh, this is right before 27, so really setting it up. <laughs> Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been free if he had not appealed to Caesar. He could have been set free, and yet he decided to put his faith in the Lord to do his works. So that leads us right into our first uh, table question. And that's just, what's an example of something uncomfortable that God has asked you to do in your life? Did you do it or did you ignore it? And just take a few minutes to discuss that here. Oh, wait. Okay, there we go. (laughs) All right. Uh, So now let's finally get into the chapter now that we have the uh, background. Um, And again, this is a long one with a lot of text, so just try to stay with me. Uh, Open your Bibles if you need to. You should anyways. Um, And let's go ahead and get into Acts 27. All right. So when it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius, who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. We boarded a ship from... Adramidium, um, about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia, and we put out to sea. Um, Aristarchus, I put that one phonetically, 
a Macedonian from Thessalonica was with us. The next day we landed at Sidon and Julius in kindness to Paul allowed him to go to his friends so they might provide for his needs. From there, we put out to sea again and passed to the Lee of Cyprus uh, because the winds were against us. When we had sailed across the open sea to the coast of uh, Cilicia and Pamphylia, guys, there's a lot of difficult words in this. So just <laughs> I can't put everything phonetically. Um, we landed at Myra and Lycia. There, the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. We made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving at Snidus. Uh, when the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the Lee of Crete, opposite Salmon. We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Heavens near the town of Lacia. Okay, so let's just break this down because that just sounded like a bunch of words, even to me, and I was reading it. Um, so first of all, who is the author of Acts? Luke, thank you. Um, so it is Luke. So we know that he was with Paul during this time via his, uh, via his use of the word we in verse one. Um, and then secondly, Paul also had another companion named Aristarchus. Um, and so they were both with him on this journey. Now, I know it seems kind of weird uh, that the centurion Julius just kind of let Paul roam around and do his own thing, as it said uh, in, in verse 3. But consider this quote from a commentary by Charles R. Swindle that says, Paul was not a typical prisoner. His journey to Rome served his own interests, and escape was not a concern. The centurion may have known Paul from his 24 months in uh, Caesarea, and held him in high enough regard to treat him with consideration and grant him unusual freedom. So guys, Paul was not a regular prisoner. So yes, he was there. He was on his way to be tried. Um, but Julius, again, he may have had some kind of high esteem or respect for Paul. Um, and also, escape wasn't really his concern. He wanted to go to Rome. He wanted to appeal to Caesar. So escape was not really on Paul's mind. Uh, now, for you visual learners, kind of like I am, I have a map up here. Um, and so it says that they sailed from. Yeah, right. <laughs> so um, they sailed straight from here to here within a, for within a day's time. Um, and then they were probably on Sidon or at Sidon for about a week as they were loading up cargo uh, and doing things of the such. And then um, from Sidon, they went to Cyprus, which is right here. Um, and then because the winds were against them, it said, uh, that's what they couldn't really stay on course. So they went over here to Myra. Um, and then when they were there, they switched ships. Um, and then it took them quite some time, but then they finally made it up here. Uh, I'm saying Snidus, I'm probably saying it wrong. Um, and then as the wind did not allow them to hold course again, uh, they sailed with much difficulty to Fair Havens. So there was a lot of issue with the winds, and uh, we'll get into that in just here a second. Uh, but the sailing was really quite difficult for them during this time, uh, as it says here in uh, verse 9. It says, much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because now it was after the Day of Atonement. So Paul warned them, men. 
I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to the ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship, since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in. Uh, in the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. There was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest or southwest and northwest. So the importance of it being after the Day of Atonement, it kind of meant that it was later on in the year uh, and it was closer to winter, which meant that it was approaching and it was more dangerous to sail during that time. So that's the importance of the Day After Atonement. And that's what they mean when they say to winter in. Uh, it's a good place for us to winter in. It's a good place for them to kind of be during the winter. Uh, and so in verse 10, Paul kind of tries to warn them and say like, hey guys, it's probably not a, the best idea for us to stay on course and keep going where we're going right now. Um, but Julius ignored him and followed the advice of the captain. And you know, I can't really blame him. Paul's a prisoner, not really the captain of the boat. He doesn't necessarily know what he's talking about. All that Paul has is the Holy Spirit guiding him and, you know, they don't necessarily believe, right? So I get Julius's decision here. Um, you know, I would definitely probably listen to the captain and I can't really blame him for ignoring Paul here. Uh, but let's keep going a little bit deeper into the storm. Um, so Acts 27, we're going to go 13 through 20 here. So when a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. Um, as we passed to the lee of a small island called Kauda, uh, we, were, we were hardly able to make uh, the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted it aboard and they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of citrus. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that next day, they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up hope of all being saved. So guys, basically things were extremely bad here. They were taking on so much water that they had to start throwing the cargo off of the ship just so they wouldn't sink. And eventually they threw the tackle overboard too, which was used for loading and unloading cargo. So they really started just throwing anything off that wasn't absolutely essential uh, to the ship staying afloat. They tied ropes around the ship just to keep it from falling apart. They were doing whatever they could to stay alive, but after many, many days of the raging storm, they finally gave up. Now, guys, we have to remember who's writing here. This is Luke, a fellow believer. You know, I'm sure that uh, he and Paul and uh, Aristarchus, they were probably praying and, you know, hoping to God and just like, God, oh, we know that you're going to get us out of here. And yet they all lost hope. <laughs> but look at what happens here next. After they had gone a long time without food, 
Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Have you guys ever talked to your parents uh, and you guys decide not to take their advice? Like, not that you're disobeying them, but you're kind of just listening to them and you guys are kind of conversing and you're just like, eh, I'm going to do my own thing. You know, <laughs> I've definitely been there. Now, I love both my parents. I love my mom. My mom's amazing. And she also loves to be right. <laughs> so whenever I don't take my mom's advice uh, and she turns out to be right, she'll kind of just look at me and be like, hmm. <laughs> or <laughs> my mom's actually not above saying, I told you so. <laughs> um, so she'll like to say, see, I told you. Um, <laughs> now, my dad's a little bit different. If my dad can't convince me to take his advice, he'll kind of just be like, all right, try it. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so whenever my dad says that, I tend to get a little nervous. But sometimes I still, you know, I, I think I know what I'm doing all the time. Uh, and so sometimes I'll still go ahead and do my own thing. Um, and, you know, sometimes it'll end up okay. But uh, <laughs> normally my parents have a little bit more wisdom than I do. And so uh, they, they usually know what they're talking about. And uh, either way, you know, after I mess up and I end up doing my own thing, my parents don't just let me keep living like that. Right. So, yes, I have to live with the consequences of whatever mistake I made or whatever it was that I didn't take their advice on. But then they help me understand and to move forward. That's exactly what Paul is doing right here. Right. So he says, hey, guys, you made a mistake. It's OK. You know, he's having grace with them. He's not saying, oh, I told you so. You guys shouldn't have gone that way. And uh, now the ship's going to get destroyed and blah, blah, blah. You know, but rather he's saying, it's okay. You're going to have to live with the mistake. But God told me that it was going to be all good. So we've got nothing to worry about. And from here on, this is what we need to do. Keep courage because I have faith in God. Right? So think about this. They're in a terrible storm that made everyone lose hope for their lives. Everyone is terrified <laughs> and they went their own way about things. And yet God proves that he's still in control. Now, during the storms in life, it can look terrifying during those moments. But God reminds us that everything's going to be okay. Right? I think that Paul was scared. I think Paul was scared when they were in this storm. It said that they hadn't seen the sun or the stars in many days. That means that it was completely covered by the storm. 
for them to get to the point where they're literally tearing parts of the ship off of the ship to throw it into the ocean just to keep them from going or from sinking, it had to be terrifying. But that's why the Lord sent his angel to reassure Paul. And look at what happened. Paul didn't just keep the courage for himself, but he spread it to all of those who were on the ship, believers and non-believers alike. Guys, and if you're going through fear or worry right now, the Lord wants to reassure you as well. Psalms 23, 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Deuteronomy 31, 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Isaiah 41, 13. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. Now, guys, When you're looking at these scriptures for encouragement, it's important to read them in the proper context. So please don't just take them and and just run (laughs) if if you're referring back to them. But this is why we have God's word, right? Just like the angel came down to reassure Paul, God gave us his word to reassure us. In Romans, he tells us, in Romans 8, he tells us that his spirit testifies with our spirit, right? To remind us that we're a child of God. So for us Christians, for us believers who have the Holy Spirit within us, that's a reminder during those times of trouble and during those times of worry and fear and anxiety when we can sometimes forget that God's got our back, that he's right there, that his spirit dwells within us. Guys, and we can read these scriptures in our times of trouble, in our times of fear, in our times of anxiety, of loneliness, and the list goes on. (laughs) And I urge you, (laughs) if you're going through a storm right now, allow the Lord to comfort you. Guys, the, the word of God, it's perfectly fine to pray those scriptures back to him. In fact, it's encouraged. (laughs) Pray those scriptures back to the Lord. If you're scared, say, God, even though I've walked through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Pray that back to the Lord and let it encourage you. (laughs) We have to remember that he's sovereign during the storm. But again, that doesn't mean that everything is going to be smooth sailing. No pun intended. Um, (laughs) verse 22 says, but I urge you keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. So guys, it's not always easy. If God said to me, Hey, go out into these waters, your ship's going to be destroyed, but you're going to be all right. Don't worry about it. You know, I'm going to freak out a little bit. I mean, first of all, I'd probably say, God, are you sure you meant to die on my number? Because I can't swim. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to freak out a little bit. <laughs> but when God, when God calls you <laughs> to do something, it won't always be easy. But you have to trust in the purpose and the plan that he has for you. That's what Paul is doing right here. Again, he appealed to Caesar, even though he knew that that meant that he would be elongating his imprisonment. 
He's on this ship right now because he appealed to Caesar. He's in this storm right now because he's following God's plan. I feel like so often we think, man, God told me to do this. It's going to be easy. I'll tell you guys about something I'm going through in my life right now. Um, I have been struggling for two weeks to write this one paper for seminary. And now God definitely told me to go to seminary, right? So I'm just like, all right, yeah, I'm about to breeze through this. This is going to be easy. (laughs) And I get here and I feel completely stuck. And so while I was putting together this message, it was actually a huge encouragement to me that I'm just like, hmm, I'm going through, I'm really struggling right now, but God never said it would be easy right? But he does always keep his promises. Which takes us to our second set of table questions. Has there ever been a time in your life where the situation just seemed like it would never get better? And then two, how have you seen God's sovereignty, his power or authority uh, during a difficult time in your life? So take a few minutes to discuss those. All right, guys. So to continue on in the chapter, Acts 27, let's go through 27 to 32 now. 27 to 32. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea. When about midnight, the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took surroundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took uh, soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that they would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes and let the lifeboat, oh, and held the lifeboat and let it drift away. So, you guys remember in verse 22 when Paul said that the ship would be destroyed? Because these men certainly do. They saw that the ship was going to be destroyed and they wanted to save themselves, but Paul, under the authority of God, said that unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. These guys had every reason to save themselves in the lifeboats. They knew what they were doing. They were sailors. (laughs) But by now, the Lord had proven himself by using Paul, so people had a little bit of trust in him. Have you guys ever been whitewater rafting? (laughs) I went during summer camp. It was my first time, and it was amazing. It was really beautiful. It was scary. Again, I can't swim, but it was amazing. Um, I know you're saying, why would I go if I can't swim? There's life jackets. And I was trying to expand my horizons and I wasn't going to walk up the paintball hill. Um, So, so, um, anyways, before you start rafting, they teach you exactly how to do it. You kind of have to put your whole body into it. You know, it's like a dance move. Like, (laughs) Um, you got to put your whole body into it. Now, before they taught me that, 
I was trying to paddle with just my arms. You know, I was trying to paddle on my own and do it with just my arms, which was significantly harder than the way that the guide had taught us. Now, when I tried to paddle my own way, I would exert a lot more energy and tire out a lot quicker than when I did it the way that the instructor taught us to do it. Now, I always tried to paddle the correct way, but sometimes when I panicked or when I got scared, I would revert back to my old habits because I wasn't focusing on the instructor. Guys, when we ignore what God is telling us to do, whether that be out of panic, out of fear, or maybe we just like our way better, we end up exerting so much more energy. We end up making more mistakes and we end up falling short. I learned when I was on the water that I had to trust the instructor, even if I couldn't see uh, what was around me, even if the boat was turned backwards, because the instructor had a different perspective. I'm sure that the people on the boat were scared, but they decided to trust in the Lord to save their lives. Verse 33. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you, take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of all of them. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 uh, of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. They hadn't eaten for 14 days. Now, it's not exactly sure why, but you can kind of speculate. The ship was tossing and turning. People were terrified. They didn't know if they were going to live. It was all hands on deck just to keep the boat moving, you know, or just to keep the boat from capsizing. So it's likely that might have been why they hadn't eaten. But I love what it says right here um, in verse 30, or 35. It said, after he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of it, then broke it and began to eat. When was the last time that you gave thanks to God during your trials? God, I know that I'm struggling right now, but thank you for another day. God, I know that I'm swamped with homework, but thank you for this education. God, I feel trapped in sin, but thank you for sending your son on the cross to free me from it. I didn't write this into my message because I, I found out about this this morning, but uh, this morning my parents called me and told me that my sister was in the hospital with some birth complications. She's uh, pregnant and the baby's due in November, but they said that the water broke now. And I was like, so what does that mean? And I still don't completely understand what it means. Um, <laughs> but you know, as soon as that worry began to creep up, the Lord reminded me right here to give thanks. You know what, God, it may, the storm may be here. It may look different from, uh, from how we expected it to look with the baby coming. But God, I know that you're in control. What do I have to worry about? Why should I fear? 
you know, I prayed back some of those verses that I gave you guys this morning as I was finishing, or, or as I was looking over my message. <laughs> and Paul's thanksgiving to the Lord here not only had an encouraging effect on himself, but he had an encouraging effect on everyone else on board. So guys, as Christians, our default mode, even though there are difficulties in life, should be one of praise and thanksgiving. At summer camp, we talked about having a victor mentality, and Paul is such an amazing example of that. He struggles and he suffers and he goes through so much pain and so many hardships. And yet his default mentality is one of trust in the Lord and praise because he knows that God has already won. Verse 39. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted uh, the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship stuck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and and would not move, and the stern was broken into pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping, but the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and to get to land. The rest uh, were to get there on planks or on other pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land safely. Guys, once again, we see God's sovereignty and control come to pass here in Paul's life. He said that everyone's life would be spared and that only the ship would be destroyed. And that's exactly what happened. Now, the Lord told Paul that he would testify before Caesar in Rome. But look at all that happened along of the journey. And the journey's still not over. Lee's going to finish up next week on Acts 28, but the journey still isn't over. But look at all the goodness that's happened so far. Paul took control of the ship on God's authority and saved everyone aboard. Now, I'm sure that there are still those who doubt, but look at how Paul, just by living out his faith here, affected so many lives. Whether they ended up believing or not, seeds were definitely planted by God using Paul on this journey. And if you're a Christian with us today, I urge you to keep on living out your faith out loud and sharing your faith with others boldly because you never know whose life you're affecting just by living for the Lord. And if you're not a believer with us today, I offer you the same comfort that the Lord gave Paul during the storm. I'm not saying that life will magically become easy when you accept the Lord But as Christians, we have a different mentality during those times of difficulty and during those hardships because we know that God wins in the end. If you're not a believer, I want to extend this gift of peace of mind to you. And if you're curious about what it means to accept Christ and gain the perspective of Paul, please come talk to me or one of the other table leaders after this. We'd love to help you take that next step about learning about Christ. Let's pray.
Father God, we just thank you so much for all that you're doing here. God, we thank you for the trials, Lord. We thank you for the storms because we know that you have a purpose in our lives. We know that you use it to build us up. We know that you use it to build our character. So, Father God, as we traverse the storms of life, I pray that you just continue to push us forward in our faith, Lord. Continue to challenge us in our faith, God, so that we may show others the same way that Paul showed everybody on that ship, Lord, your goodness and your mercy. God, I just pray that everyone receive the word well today, and I pray that you allow us to make applications from it in our everyday lives. God, we just pray that as we depart from your, or as we depart from here, that we don't depart from your presence. In your mighty name we pray. Amen.